0: Want a smoother contour and more youthful-looking cheeks? Rediscover a younger-looking you by adding volume to the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC, part of the number one selling collection of dermal fillers, based on January 2022 provider survey data. With help from Juvederm Voluma XC and a licensed specialist, you can achieve a more youthful cheek look completely customized for your goals. pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: Welcome to the Everyday Warrior podcast hosted by Men's Journal. Uh, Excited to have you, uh, excited to, to talk about not only your life, but how you impact uh, a lot of your clients and help them to live an optimal life in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and, uh, and beyond, which is, it becomes an increasingly important thing as we age. Um, I want to dive in a little to your background for the, uh, the listeners, uh, get into your life story, uh, especially the fact that you didn't graduate from high school. I'm just going to zone in on this one. Yeah, uh, became a Navy SEAL, and then I, I just don't understand how uh, high school dropout was selected by the Navy to become a, uh, a premier doctor. Uh, a
2: lot of guilt, a lot of guilt and shame twisted into me. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I went to all four years of high school, um, but I was much more interested in, um, girls and cars and sports and fighting and so forth, um, So didn't uh, apply myself, you might say. I I actually started getting D's and F's in third grade. Um, So I I, I had a suboptimal home life, I'll I'll leave it there. And uh, so school is kind of my escape. It's kind of the only time I got to be away from home. And so I spent all my energy, you know, doing the fun stuff, not, not really working in school. And uh, at the end of four years, I had enough credits to be a sophomore, and um, I wasn't going to stick around after all my friends graduated, but none of my friends knew I wasn't graduating. They just, you know, everybody went their way, everybody went to college, and I went and got a GED and went to the Navy. actually joined uh, in December before I graduated, so uh, December of 87, and uh, they just released a documentary about seals they'd covered a buds class and they kept saying how oh, this is the toughest training in the world and uh crimmins you know crimmins was like oh, the yeah. star of it and the tough fisherman from new england guy right and uh so i was like well this is the toughest training i'm gonna go do that so um you know i i, I was a good athlete as a good power athlete strength and speed sucked at endurance so buds was not the easiest experience for me obviously um but uh, yeah, I, I decided I wanted to go do the toughest training I could do. Uh, I signed up, took the ASFAB. Uh, they just started the die fare program, so I was guaranteed a shot to go if I passed the test and uh, boot camp. Um, didn't even know the Navy was gonna pay me. <clears throat> That's how naive I was. I just thought, they're gonna give me clothes, they're gonna give me a place to live, they're gonna feed me, and then I'm either gonna be training for war or in war, so what the hell do I need money for, right? Um, and uh, yeah, went went into the SEAL team during the Hollywood days. Obviously, like we, you know, we had the goal for, you know, where three bullets were shot. You know, so we didn't have anything real. Did a lot of what they call FID now. You know, like traveling overseas, training other uh, organizations, and then you know, just training trip after training trip, same thing over and over, kind of on a treadmill. And I was like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check out something else. Go do something else. Uh, knew i'd have to go to college had to start in junior college you can't get into college without a high school diploma so uh went to junior college started working at san diego sports medicine center uh because i thought i was going to be a physical therapist and um you have to volunteer like two thousand hours to get into pt school so i'm doing my doing my volunteer hours decided i didn't really want to be a pt um had every kind of healthcare practitioner in the world at this clinic. So I got to know everybody. And then uh, the doctors there, because I'd been a SEAL, uh, and then I was, like, in my second year of college. These guys were only, like, three years older than me, like the young doctors. And they're like, you should go be a doctor. And I was like, pump, you know, pump the brake sports, right? right? Like, I, I didn't graduate high school. I'm not going to be a doctor. And uh, the owner of the clinic, a doctor named Lee Rice, who still practices out in San Diego, uh, here's over here's the conversation comes out to the hallway and says Kirk the question isn't can you get into medical school the question is would you want to go if you could get into medical school and I said of course I'd want to go he said well then what do you what's the question and I'm like alright so he kind of shamed me into it he was like yeah I'd love to be a doctor but I don't think I can be so he's like well you gotta try so uh, went through college, set the curve in every class, got a 4.0 GPA all through. Uh, when it came time to apply for medical school, I found out the military had their own medical school, which I didn't, I didn't know, uh, but I was already married, already had a kid, found out they'd pay me to go to medical school instead of the other way around. Um, and then of course, you know, the military everything they train you for, you repay with time. So I had to be a doctor for them for eight years. And so I just said, well, uh, I'm sure I'll be able to get back to the teams and go get back to the community and I'll go do sports medicine, ortho, something like that I'm well-suited for. Because, you know, being a, at my age and being an athlete and a SEAL, like the only thing I knew about medicine was injuries, right? Like that that's what I thought a doctor did, you know? Like they fixed your shoulder, your elbow, your knee, like... And, uh, yeah, so... Obviously, you know, as you said, I, I uh, got through medical school, uh, did a, a residency in hyperbaric and undersea medicine so that I could go work with divers. And they sent me to this policy job with submarine rescue for like two years, and then I got to go to the SEAL teams. And then I spent my last four years in the military at the SEAL teams and destroyed my career there, helping the guys, but doing the right thing. And, uh, and uh, so, there, there was no future for me after that job. And so I I got out at 19
1: years. (laughs) When you say destroyed your career, you mean you pissed people off?
2: Yeah. I pissed off everybody in the medical sphere.
1: Because Uh, they were probably wrong.
2: Well, because, uh, they trained me as a doctor to diagnose and treat disease. And none of our brothers had diseases. They had performance issues. And so I was, I had to learn a ton of integrative and functional alternative medicine. I had to learn about a lot about nutrition and supplements and hormones and like all like all the stuff that would interfere with performance. Um, and one of the things that I figured out was, you know, our guys. Uh, I don't know if, if the East Coast was the same way, but the West Coast, about eighty five percent of the team was taking Ambien every night. Like that was handed out like M and M's, as a normal thing. They thought. It was an inconsequential drug. Just take this and you'll sleep. And so all these guys came to me with these problems of like low motivation, shifts of body composition, moodiness, short attention span. And it wasn't disease. Nobody had a disease, but nobody was performing the way they wanted to perform. And after I learned enough about sleep, I said, oh, sleep could be a big component of this. So let's get everybody off of sleep drugs. And when I did that, like... 85% 85% of the people got rid of 90% of their problems just by the sleep. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So this is bigger than I thought it was. And then, uh, you know, and then that just, that just segued into me learning more and more about performance medicine because that, that, you know, the, but you know, the military, they got pissed off that I was giving people uh, Myers cocktails, which is an I an IV of, of vitamins. And apparently that's beyond my scope as a doctor. I wasn't allowed to do that. And, you know, I was giving people like uh, aromatase inhibitors to lower their estrogen so their testosterone would come back up. And I wasn't allowed to do that. And
1: I kept getting investigated and shut down. And it, yeah. it, that, that doesn't surprise me with no, the military. No. Very, very close minded. And, and, and if and, you and step outside of their lane, they're definitely going to
2: yeah, and, and, and the Yeah. And I knew, I knew they weren't going to let me give these guys hormones, even though their hormones were in the tank. Uh, and the same way I work with NFL guys, like I work with NFL li- linemen who... They're in the normal range by like one point, like 250 to 1100, they're 251. They can't take hormones either. So the seals were the same way. I knew it because, and, and that makes sense, right? Because an admiral is going to be on CNN explaining why all the seals are on steroids if you give them hormones, right? So I knew I couldn't do that. So I had to figure out, well, how do I optimize hormones? How do I optimize performance? How do I get these people's body comps to shift, you know? And we had a nutritionist, but they were doing very standard nutritional stuff for the general general population, not civilian. For, civi- civilian, civilian, yeah, nutritionist. Yeah. She yeah. came from a D one school, worked with athletes, but it still is like this is a different animal, right? Like we have a different, different. You know, you think about the the healthcare providers that get to work with teams. They have an advantage because that's a sport, and there's a schedule, and there's an off season, and there's downtime, and and everything's calculated. It's like when you're a seal, when are you going to sleep? Like, when is your on season? When do you have? When do you have to be on all the freaking every time. day? When are you going to sleep? Whenever you can. How often is that going to be? Who knows? Like, you might not get to sleep this week. You know, you may not get a full night's sleep for the next two weeks. Um, and so, I had to work within this very limited scope. Yeah. You know, well, you know, with our you know within our community scope, uh, it, it was different, and so. While the people we hired, you know, we brought from the Olympic Training Center, from professional sports teams, they're working with athletes, which being a special forces guy is an athletic endeavor to be sure, but you don't get a field with like lines drawn on it and so many minutes of play and so many minutes, like it doesn't work like that. And you don't get blown up. Yeah, you don't get blown up and you don't watch your buddies get blown up and you don't have to work three days in a row because... Schedules got screwed, and you don't get to sleep for three days, and still you got to go do the DA anyway, even though you're hallucinating already. You know, uh, so that 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 was the sort of the environment that I found myself in, which was different than any other healthcare provider. I it was I was in in a great space in that, you know, the seals had already killed Bin Laden, and you know, like I, they had this fame, right? right. They had this, this national notoriety, so. I could call up any doctor. I could read a you know read a doctor's book, listen you know listen to him on a podcast, see his lecture, or listen to or see his TED talk or whatever, and I could say, hey, I I learned about you here. Uh, I think what you do might be applicable to my guys. I'm the I'm the doctor for the West Coast SEAL teams. Would you allow me to train with you? Would you mentor me? Would you coach me? Would you let me to? Would you consult on patients with me? And they'd be like, hell yeah, every time, hell yeah. Well, yeah, I'd love to. Um, and so I got, I mean, I had an unfair advantage. I i got to learn probably 10 years worth of stuff in
1: two years. Now let's step back with, with the special operations community. Namely the, the seal command was probably supportive of what you were doing. It was the traditional conventional military medical services that were.
2: Well, so the, so Warcom has a force medical officer um, who is my boss technically. And then even like even at the group, I had a senior medical officer above me who, uh, was actually a physician's assistant because the military does crazy stuff like that. Uh, and he told me day one, he's like, Hey, you know, because you're wearing that trident, people are going to expect special treatment. And I was like, yeah, and I'm going to give it to them because they're wearing the trident. Like, Part of the name, right? Special Warfare, like, like, like I'm a SEAL. They're a SEAL, of course. Yeah, of course. And he's like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, what? that. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and so they they literally suspended my privileges many times, investigated me, uh, you know, tried to limit what I could do, and um, you know, I just kept pushing things lower and lower below the radar, but never, never stopped.
1: Not, not surprising no. with, with the military. No. I mean, let's be honest, they want you to be decisive. They want you to have a bias for action, but the second you're out of line right. or, or your aperture is too open to right. other ways of doing business, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to crush and, you. And
2: so some senior physician and, you know, department head of, at the Navy hospital would hear what you're from, doing, what, what I'm doing, because she's seeing one of my patients and be like, what the hell he, and they call force medical and they'd be like, oh, all over again, what's, what's this guy doing now? Uh, And now it's like what I do, thousands of doctors do
1: now, but no one was doing it back then. So let's back up. Now, you've made a name for yourself, both within the special operations community and the civilian sector with regards to sleep. You've become one of the national experts on sleep. You've even written a book called Sleep to Win, how Navy SEALs and other high performers stay on top. Right. What was it that made you dial in on sleep? when you were looking at all these seals, these these athletes suffering from a lack of performance. yeah. And what is it about sleep that you consider to be the gateway to optimal health? Right. So uh,
2: the most important part to understand about this is the difference between catabolic and anabolic. So catabolic is when you're taking big complex things and you're breaking them down into small, simple things. So as an example, If I'm in famine and I haven't eaten for three days and my cells need amino acids, my body will eat my muscle and turn my muscle into amino acids so that my other cells can get the amino acids they need so I can stay alive. That's catabolic. Stress hormones are catabolic. The higher the level of stress you're in, when you're in fight or flight, you're 100% catabolic. Anabolic, exact opposite, what you think of with anabolic steroids, You're taking amino acids and building muscles out of them, right? You're taking small, small, simple things and building big, complex things. So the most anabolic time in your life. And in fact, really the only anabolic time in your life is deep sleep. So when you're in deep sleep, you have almost no stress hormones. It's the lowest your stress hormones will ever be. And it's where about 95% of all of your anabolic hormones are secreted. And when these seals came to me with their problems, I didn't have the slightest idea how to fix it. I'm like, I have no, like I got nothing, like nothing. I have no idea. So I just started testing everything I could and their anabolic hormones were terrible. Their testosterone was low, their free testosterone was low, their you know, growth hormone was low, IGF-1 which is a marker for that was low. Their estrogen was really high. You know, their insulin sensitivity was really low. And even though they're ripped and they're in good shape and they look like they should be on it, their inflammatory markers, which is catabolic, right? Um, the, all of those are really high. So I wanted to fix their hormones, but again, I knew I couldn't just give them I couldn't give them hormones. I knew I even if I give them thyroid it would disqualify them. So they all almost all of them had thyroid problems. So I'm like, "Well, what could be the thing?" So then when I learned what actually happens during sleep, the first 4 hours of sleep, like that's your anabolic time. So when you're working out, you're getting weaker, right? You're damaging your muscles. When you go to sleep, your body ramps up anabolic activity and it makes that muscle stronger so that tomorrow it can lift the weight you tried to lift today and couldn't. So once I learned that and I learned, well, that's where all the hormones are secreted. And then I learned that the sleep drugs interfere with that. Let's get them off of sleep drugs, got them sleeping. And once they started sleeping and get rid of the sleep drugs, testosterone tripled, quadrupled, quintupled. I had, I had guys getting PRs at 45 years old. The CEO of Silting 5 sent me his workout log. He's like, I, I PR'd in six lifts at 45 years old, strongest I've been my entire life. And I was like, oh, this is more than is, it? like I wanted to give them hormones, but I knew that the sleep would help a little. I didn't realize that it would be so big. And now the more I learn about sleep, every single thing that you care about happens when you sleep. Anything you want to get better at, it happens when you're asleep. You don't get better at all during the day. You learn things. You don't really learn them until you sleep on them.
1: You exercise, you don't benefit from that until you recover from it. Let let me ask you this. So if you you had to put a percentage on the amount of problems that went away once their sleep was back to to, to optimal conditions, what would that percentage be? 80%. You're kidding me.
2: 80%. And I guarantee you 90% of what remained, 90% of of that 20% was from TBIs which I didn't really figure out the the, the traumatic brain injuries from the overpressure rate, you know, all the blast injuries our guys had. I didn't figure that out until probably two years into it. So about halfway through my time working, I realized how important the TBI was because the brain is what sets all your hormones. So when your brain's damaged and inflamed, it doesn't balance your hormones. Right. And you, every,
1: everything about your performance is hormones. So seal or not, your, 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 your average civilian, let's put it that way. As you age, it seems like sleep problems become more prevalent. Yes. I mean, even now I'm wearing, a, a, embarrassingly, a, a CPAP machine when, uh, when I sleep. So, what can your average person do in terms of either, I know, I've heard it called sleep hygiene. What can right. they do to, to, to optimize their, uh, their sleep. And I know this thing right here. Yeah. And, and even I've heard uh TV in the bedroom is the worst thing you can do.
2: Well, it's not ideal. I wouldn't say it's the worst thing, but it's, it's a, it's a not ideal thing. Uh, so basically the most important thing is to convince yourself that sleep's the most important thing. Once you get there, it'll be really easy to learn how to sleep well. Um, the problem is our society does not value sleep, right? Like we go, we go. You think about our community. We go a week without sleep and training, just to prove to us we don't really need sleep. I think, right? Obviously, we need sleep. Right? You know, and entrepreneurs and C-level executives and like all these people who really get after it, they all believe that sleep is for the weak, that they're lazy if you're sleeping. So the first thing is to convince yourself that sleep is the most important thing. You can do that very easily by going to Google Scholar or PubMed and type in sleep and anything else you care about. Sleep in muscle mass, sleep in parenting, sleep in mood, sleep in cognition, sleep in, I don't care, anything you care about. Start reading the science, you'll be horrified. Once you're scared to death and like, oh my God, I need to sleep, now you're ready. Sleep hygiene is really a fancy word for a bedtime routine. Remember when when you have little kids, there's a bedtime routine. Takes about 45 minutes to an hour to get a kid ready for bed. We need to get ready for bed too. We don't give ourselves that time. So our ancestors used the sun as the cue as we went to sleep. When the sun went down, the blue light went away. That triggered the chemical changes in our brain to make us sleepy about three hours later. And then three hours later, we would feel like going to sleep. And then we'd wake up right around the time the sun comes up. And that turns out to be right around eight hours. And so you think about it. Our ancestors think about a thousand years ago. The sun went down. What would you do? You would back into your cave, maybe build a little fire. You're very vulnerable. You can't see at night, right? Any kind of predator could get you, you're going to gonna tuck yourself away. You're going to have a fire to kind of ward off other animals. Now you, now you really can't see anything. There's not going to be a lot of activity. The sun went down. The air is going to get cooler. You're going to get cooler. So all that sleep hygiene is, is taking the blue light out of your eyes, decreasing the amount that you're interacting with the environment. If you, you can wear the blue blocking glasses all you want to, but go out to a nightclub with music blaring and you know, attractive people of the opposite or whatever your preference is. I like, I like what, how you caught yourself there. You know well what done. I'm saying.
1: Uh, with, his, uh, with his girlfriend sitting in yeah, the, uh,
2: the audience. You can, do all of the, you can do all of that stuff and you can push yourself to where you're not sleepy because you're interacting with the environment. So decrease the blue light, decrease your interaction with the environment, including your computer. So just because you're wearing blue blocking glasses doesn't mean you can work on a stressful work project until 9.59 and get in bed at 10 o'clock and be like, why am I not asleep in 15 minutes? It doesn't work that way. So decrease your interaction with the environment, including stress, and then lower your body temperature. Those three things are 100% of sleep hygiene. Now, you'll see that broken into a thousand
1: different behaviors and tricks and do this and do that. But that's what everything is for. I I know there's parents listening that have toddlers and they're like, yeah, this, this is a pipe dream. Thanks, right. buddy. Yeah. 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 And the only advice I, I can give to them is get your kids on a, uh, a sleep schedule.
2: Get your kids to sleep well. And if your kids are problematic sleepers, nobody likes to hear this, but one of you needs to recover. So you're to have to take turns with dealing with the kids. And like one person gets to put in earplugs and eye mask and go down in the basement and crank up the AC and get 10 hours of sleep and recover. And then the next night they're on duty and you switch. But that's the only way to recover. The
1: faster you recover, the less damage you do. Let, let me ask you this. Does physiology play into genetics, play into certain people's sleep? And, and what I'm thinking of, and you probably know where I'm going with this, there, there's guys like Jocko Willink who can stay up till 12 if traveling on the road, but still gets up at 430 and right. seems to operate at a, a, a high degree. Right. I, I, I can't operate that, that, that way. I mean, given I've, I've had a lot more combat deployments, a lot more bangs, and booms right but it does. does physiology and genetics yeah it? so
2: it's like anything else right like we aren't we aren't all equal right that's why the Olympics exist no, nobody's gonna pay to watch me and you run 100 meters right because we're not we're not those people right so everybody has genetic gifts and that so there's there's no there, there's no evidence that anybody on the planet is optimal with less than eight hours of sleep. But there is evidence that certain genotypes, people with certain gene profiles, suffer less. But there's, it's still not ideal. They would still be ideal with eight hours. So if Jocko slept eight hours every night, he would be better Jocko than he is. But he just doesn't suffer
1: as much as maybe you and so I So he, he doesn't suffer a larger deviation variation as, as you or I would. Right. He's definitely a, a beast. Um, we're we're going to sort of roll into a, a mid-break here. And before we take a first break, man, I want to ask you a few hard questions, which is what we do here at the, uh, the Everyday Warrior. We're going to ask you to get a little vulnerability because as you know, and I preach this in, in a lot of my, my speeches, is you can't have a healthy culture unless you have vulnerability. And right. amongst the most elite warriors I've ever seen, they were kind, they were empathetic, and they didn't fear being vulnerable with their fellow men. So first one is hardest decision Kirk Parsley's ever had to make.
2: Honestly, that would probably be whether or not to get a divorce when I had small children. That was real that was that was uh took me many years to make that decision. That was tough. Uh but on topic the next hardest thing would be was I gonna keep doing everything that I wasn't allowed to do for our guys and possibly lose my medical license and all that other stuff, you know. It so can, that's
1: that's the hardest thing you had to face? Yeah. Is military punishment. It, for, yeah, for I, mean, your job uh, well, right? I mean, well, I mean,
2: because that would have been my whole life, like that. I, if I would have lost my license in the medical school, that or in the military, that would have followed me in the civilian sector. You would have been done. I'd be working on Harley's or digging ditches right now. I wouldn't be a doctor.
1: You'd, yeah. you'd be a pretty good uh, ditch digger. I think so.
2: Yeah. Like I,
1: I mean, look at you, dude. You're yeah. a beast. I, I got, I get good arms for that. You, you know what I got to say about human performance doctors? Is I'm always fearful. It's mu- it's much like a trainer, right? Like at a gym who, who's Got a little bit of a belly hanging over their, uh, yeah. their belt. You're like, uh, what's your qualifications? And, yeah. Do you live with credibility? Yeah. And there's other guys who have a lot more than a little bit of a belly. Yeah. <laughs> Last question before we take this uh, this break. The hardest regret.
2: I mean, it, it's a foolish regret. And I've actually expressed it to a guy out here in the audience before. Um, you know, leaving the SEAL teams pre nine eleven and never getting to go to combat, not because I wanted to go to combat, but because I felt like I was deserting my brothers. And, you know, when one of those guys died, we all kind of have this stupid image of ourselves that maybe we, it would have been different or whatever. Um, And so I, I I regret getting out of the SEAL teams, but I don't regret what's happened since. So it's, it's a mixed bag, but that, that one's, I mean, that one haunts me. Like I always think like maybe, you know,
1: well, Regardless if you went to war or not, you prepped the next generation. And given some of the stories you tell me at dinner, I'm so glad that the SEALs in the '90s did not go to war. <laughs> you guys were the wild children, and God help us if we unleash those. We were truly the war. dirty dozen back yeah. then. Yeah. yeah, you guys were. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll be right back. And we are back with Doc Kirk Parsley, Navy SEAL, and nationally renowned. Can I say that nationally renowned? Sleep in human you performance could
2: You could actually say internationally. International. I, I've, I've lectured internationally. You're, you're so, right like, I'm an me. international guy.
1: Let, let, me, let me, dude, because <laughs> you, you are a beast, and I know people will see you on the uh, the videos for this. How old are you? I'll be 52 next month. That's fucking old. I know. Okay.
2: It's I probably you know any like I'm just every day's gravy from now. Like I've like I've already lived longer than I expected.
1: It, it, it you look good dude if I Thank look you. as good as you when I'm 52 that's gonna be a victory
2: you better start working
1: <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll compare uh, body scans after uh,
2: now after this. Yeah, you're, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm sure you're leaner than I am okay so you know we, we talked about sleep and, and that was educational I think for everyone in the crowd and, and educational for the listeners it's something we, we we just dismiss it I mean you can dismiss it when you're 20 getting drunk uh, with your, you, your buddies operating off of two hours of sleep and then go to work. But as you get older, that's just, it's Well, it's not you,
2: you think about just our society in general, and uh, not just America, but Western society. What's the first thing you give up? Oh, when, sleep. Right, anything. It's like time crunch. Oh, I got to get all this stuff done. I don't have enough time. I'll go to bed later. I'll get up earlier, right? That's the first thing we give up. should be the last thing we give up because it impacts everything we do. So whether you're using your body or your brain to get that project done, you're impairing the process. So if you say, well, I'm going to cut my sleep short by two hours, you're going to lose about almost three hours of efficiency that next day. So it's a negative sum game and you're tearing yourself down. You're aging really, right? Because if you, if you, could, if you had perfect sleep, what would happen is you would go to sleep and you would repair 100% and you would wake up the next day, exactly the way you were that morning. So you would never age.
1: I understand this and I understand this because of you and I know for the listeners, Kirk and I have known each other for a long time. So I am in bed by probably eight. And I think, you know, my wife calls me the gremlin because yeah. she's watching uh, reality TV and she pokes me to, to, to watch a certain scene. I, I I react. Yeah, not well. And so she calls me the gremlin. So, hey, we'll move beyond sleep. But I mean, you went as far to create duck parsley sleep remedies. Where where can people find that? And what 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 is it?
2: Yeah. So when when I was when I decided that I that uh, I wanted to get the guys off of the sleep drugs, obviously they were taking sleep drugs because they couldn't sleep. So I had to give them something and. Right, I did. I just substitute with something, and all pharmaceuticals are really kind of the same. Um, there's nuances, but they all they all mess up the sleep architecture, um, which is like the different stages of sleep. So uh, because I could work with all of these experts all over the world and sleep and nutrition and you know neurology and all these things, I I did my own research and I figured out what supplements actually help with sleep and why, and I just made a list of all of them. And then all the team guys were going to buy this, they're going to buy the list of all these products one by one. And then they just harangued me into making our product. Cause they were like, it's a pain in the ass. We got to go to all these different stores. So this, you, this you were in a
1: van down by the river basically concocting yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. different yeah. ingredients. No, in no.
2: So, so I was sending them to the store and then they were, like, they were like, man, I got like, I got to buy this in a powder and this is a pill and this is a 90 day supply. That's a 60 day. I got to travel with all this shit. Can you just make something? And I was like, all right, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. And then I, I like dropped out of clinical practice that I'm just gonna, I'll build this supplement over the course of a year. I'm just gonna sell it to the SEAL teams. And then I'm gonna go back into clinical like brick and mortar. And I just survived off of consulting. Like I I gave up my income. I said, I'm just gonna build this real quick. Uh, had a couple of friends invest and we built it up real quick. Still don't sell to the SEALs six day, Six years later, no, no contracts with the military. Uh, a ton of SEALs buy it, uh, a ton of military people buy it on their own. And I give them like a big discount because uh, that's why I built it. But it turned into a real business. Um, and uh, then when I go lecture all over the place and people are like, well, it, what's a good sleep supplement? Well, I have not had one. Right. Mine, yeah. Yeah. Mine's the
1: best. Yeah. Now, you've also created uh, recently a, a sleep journal, which I mean, you've shared with me. Yeah. So it's basically what we were talking about, like um, all the sleep hygiene stuff.
2: But also, like, how do you get stress out of – because the number one reason people don't sleep well is stress. So how do you remove stress from the equation? So I've written blogs and given I, – I, I gave a four-day lecture on just that topic, like four eight-hour days. Um, and, I, and I basically made a journal that's a summary. Um, and, and we're selling it on my site. Um, but if any anybody listening to this or anybody in the audience wants that – um, if you just email me at Kirk at dot or Kirk at dot Yeah. Um, I will email you the, it's a PDF. We, we have it in a bound, but I'll email you the, that, but if you go to docparsley.com my website, you can, you can buy the journal on there. You can buy the sleep supplement on there. You can listen to hundreds of hours of podcasts. If you're so inclined or watch lectures, read, read blogs, whatever, There's a ton of sleep stuff on there. There's other stuff hormones and
1: what have you, but yeah. Let's, let's get into, uh, to the human performance side, which I know has become your passion because yeah. so many of us that know you come to you and say, Hey, you know, I, I'm not feeling right. Right. Uh, you know, it actually reminds me, uh, and again, I think it was not to, to hone in on Jocko. I think it was, uh, 2006. I was about to turn 30. I think he was 35 at the time or something like that. And he's like, Hey, when you turn 30, nothing will heal the same. I'm like yeah. ah whatever, yeah. no. I'm like you don't know me. I'm a, I'm a high performer. Uh, right. I'm good. And and he was right. Right. And it got worse at forty, and I'm gonna assume it only gets worse. at it's it uh, worse at, at fifty. At fifty.
2: At fifties when I really started getting injuries that didn't heal, like that take months to heal. And I'm like man, that's what it healed in two weeks in my
1: twenties. <laughs> so, explain to me. And it reminds me that I think it was the old John Wayne quote, and I, I won't use the word uh, "getting old" isn't for cowards. Yeah. yeah, what is it specifically as we age as men? What is degrading to the point that human performance medicine can step in and start to provide?
2: Recovery? I mean, it's, it's the same. It's the same for men and women. Again, like the metaphor I gave earlier. Um, if, if you think about a kid, think about a fourteen-year-old. A fourteen-year-old goes to sleep they sleep for 12 hours if they're uninterrupted, right? If they don't have to get up, they'll sleep for 12, maybe 14 hours, but they actually wake up better than they were the day before. So they, they grew, they improved, they get smarter, they get stronger, they got faster. And then at some point, roughly around 30, it could be anywhere from 25 to 35, depending on your genetics and how you lived your life and how serious you are about the other pillars of health, like <laughs> nutrition, exercise, and stress mitigation. Um, you, it becomes a, a wash and you're like going to bed, recovering about the same as you were the next day. And then somewhere around 35, 30, 35, it starts dropping off and you don't recover 100% every night. And that's largely hormone, but there's a lot involved. It's, it's epigenetics, which is like what genes are expressed. There's things called senescence cells. So like older cells that are dying, there's blood flow issues. As you get atherosclerosis, you don't get as much blood and oxygen. And if you think about it, all aging really means is that you're becoming less capable of recovery, right because when you're old, why do you die? Well, you die because you can't fight off illness as well you're immune right you you just don't recover as well. you fall down the stairs, you don't recover as well. you get injured, you don't recover as well, so you're more likely to die- as you get older, and that's really all it is. you're just not as capable as recovery, so recovery is Everything. It's your nutritional status, it's blood flow, it's hormones, it's genetics. That's your uh, you know, and that can be supplemented, like supplement supplemental nutritions, like you could be deficient on micronutrients, you could be deficient on vitamins, you could be, you know, there there's herbs that can adapt sort of your hormone regulation, there's actual hormones, there's peptides that mimic things in your body that affect your immune system, that affects your recovery, like all of those things matter. But the lifestyle is 90% of it, right? You still have to sleep well. You still have to eat well. You still have to exercise regularly. Exercising regularly is the best thing for longevity. is the best thing to fight off disease. is the best thing for cognition. It's the best thing for everything. You know. Um, and then you know you got to be able to control your stress, and that can be mindfulness. It can be meditation. That could be maybe you control your stress through exercise. Right? It's like maybe you're a meditator maybe you do yoga it doesn't matter what you do as long as you, some people get it from community that's why a lot of people with community who go to church or they live in big families they live longer because they have community they have lower stress they feel like they have more support and so you have to balance all of those things when that's an ideal lifestyle but then there's reality Right. Because there's limitations to what you can do. And then in between here is where we supplement. That's where we give you supplements. Maybe there's ph- maybe there's a pharmaceutical. Maybe there's a hormone. Maybe there's a SARM. Maybe there's a peptide. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's a gadget we can use to help you meditate. There's a gadget we can use to help you get to sleep faster. There's a gadget we can use to help you monitor your nutrition. Better, you, that you,
1: you bring up the SARMs, you bring up the peptides, you bring up the hormones. And, you know, let's 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 solidify this before you even go there. Right, you have to have that foundation of what you said: sleep, proper nutrition, and yeah. uh, and exercise. Right, and, and you you could you could
2: take horse doses of hormones and SARMs and peptides, drink beer all day, eat pizza, not work out, and you're not going to be healthy. Like that's not the way it works. Like you you have to have the foundation to get the benefit from it. Those things don't matter at all if you aren't doing the other things right.
1: So you know and we're going to get into psychedelics briefly yeah. uh today and, and we're going to bring on dr uh, martine uh, poblanco who we both know and, yep. and has been critical to our lives and helped a lot of our, our brothers with uh with trauma uh therapy when you mention sarms peptides and hormones there's just like this still this dirty yeah. connotation that people are like no i don't want to do that that's that's and, it, it,
2: and it's so dumb, but it's just the way it works, man. It's just politics.
1: Because if my testosterone is low, the only way to increase that to a meaningful level outside of sleep, nutrition, <laughs> and exercise is to actually supplement to get my whole, my, my yeah, testosterone I mean, a healthy. Uh, yeah, energy.
2: I mean, if you were if you were thirty five and your hormones were low, I just probably other pharmaceuticals I could give you that would get you up there. But once you get over, you know, once you get to like mid forties. The odds that we're going to get you up into that upper 20% of the range, which is where all the real benefits shown to be. If you take the bell curve of what's normal, it's a huge range, 250 to 1100. So what does 600 tell me? In the range, right? Is that in the range for you? Like, I don't know. I'd have to know you your whole life, right? So, but what when you stratify that and you say, all right, let's break it down into 20th percentiles, quintiles, the people who's testosterone, total testosterone are in that upper quintile, lowest risk of death, lowest risk of disease. So that there are one, right? What's your risk? One. You go down to the next quintile, it doubles. It doubles again when you go down, doubles again when you go down, doubles again when you go down. You do the math. If you're in the lowest quintile, you're 16 times more likely to die of anything. You're 16 times more likely to have any disease. But... Baseball players use testosterone to cheat in a home run contest. And so we don't want to give you testosterone. Which was the greatest year of baseball. It was like the, was like I mean, the was
1: coolest was... part of baseball ever. I, Sosa, Maguire. Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, that was the I gave, greatest shit. I gave,
2: I gave a lecture to a professional baseball team and I used Maguire when I did the testosterone uh, slide. It was him hitting a home. Like, and he was in the crowd. He was one of the
1: coaches on the team, <laughs> but he was totally cool about it. He was totally cool about it. He talked to me for like an hour. He's a great guy. I, I don't care what yeah. anyone says. I, I remember that one season. I don't remember any other season. Yeah. I mean, that was the best baseball we've ever seen. So, you know, let, let's talk about blood work. Cause whenever I come to you, the first step is always, Hey, let's get blood labs. Right. The, it, it's almost from a, from a, Uh, person that that doesn't have a medical background it seems like that's always sort of your baseline the blood says all i mean it has to be right
2: like it i mean it doesn't have to be blood it could be blood it could be urine it could be saliva depending on what we're testing Mm -hmm. but it'd be the same if you came to me and said hey i'm having sleep problems i said how much are you sleeping said i don't know like all right well i don't know what to do with that but let me do some labs on you Right. Same thing. I'm having problems. Well, I don't know what your hormones look like. I don't know what your inflammation looks like. I don't know what your uh, toxicity are, Right. You could have like environmental toxins. You get I mean, being a team guy, especially your team, I guarantee you, you have lead toxicity. If you've never worked to get it out, you have it. Um, so I don't know any of that until I test. And once I see everything, I can say this is probably the first thing we should work on because this is. This is like this one thing will fix 60% of the things. And
1: then this one thing will fix 10% like it. And then we now, figure out the order in which. We now, now correct worked. me if I'm wrong here, because it seems like traditional medicine. What I mean by that is when I go in for my annual checkup, right. With my Tricare doctor, right. Who's not exactly, uh, uh, hitting a, uh, a high percentage there. I, even in my forties, they're not asking for robust, blood labs what yeah. what can a male in his late 30s 40s and 50s do on his own outside of his general practitioner to, to check those levels
2: well i mean
1: in this day and
2: age with all of the environmental so it, like all the like the bpa you hear about in the plastics but all almost all of these environmental toxins like the the pesticides and those other things these things all act like estrogen so that's why they're affecting men more than women Um, And so the first thing the first thing that any man needs to do is get a full hormone profile and that full hormone profile goes from cholesterol all the way past testosterone to DHT and estradiol because testosterone can become one of those two things. We need everything in between there so that we know what we're dealing with. And then we need standard blood work on top of that. And then we need, you know, your thyroid hormones and your adrenal hormones, your stress hormones, we need to, because every hormone affects every other hormone. So that would be, that would be the baseline. I would say if you're 35 or over, that would be the most important thing to do. Uh, and then it would, and then it would be like a metabolomics, which would be like your vitamins and minerals, uh, which is not standard labs either. So, uh, and then if you have a job like you've had, I'd say, well, let's check you for lead toxicity. Let's test you for manganese. Like, let's look at your toxic levels. But Joe Blow, he has basically gone to to college, got married, got a job. I'd say full hormone panel. And I mean every hormone you can test for. Insulin, thyroid, cortisol, every anabolic hormone, every, uh, every catabolic hormone.
1: Now, some of this sounds cost prohibitive you can get that whole panel for like 600 bucks.
2: <sighs> That's a lot of money
1: for for a lot of people.
2: Well, you would only have to do that big of one maybe once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Tricare would, if you told your doctor, hey man, I want these things, uh, if you have healthcare insurance, your doctor can order most of those things. And if you had to just go add a few things after that, you you could probably get away for
1: hundred hundred maybe two hundred bucks. Now, for the guys listening that that can't afford SARMs and peptides and hormones, is it always just go back to those core three sleep? Nutrition, exercise. So so
2: I I say sleep is the foundation that the pillars sit on, right? So sleep's the most important thing. And then uh, you have a pillar of nutrition, you have a pillar of exercise, you have a pillar of stress mitigation. If sleep's bad, all the pillars are going to fall, right? Because that's the foundation. Uh, But if you're, say, a shift worker and you don't have an option, optimize those three pillars for sure. And sleep's not going to be great. That's the way your life's built. Um, But... Those guys can do some pretty obvious uh, hormone improvement. So you can take you could take some supplements. There's adrenal supplements that will help you repair your adrenals. Uh, taking something as simple as seven keto DHEA uh, that will improve your testosterone because that can't become estrogen. Taking zinc, sixty milligrams of zinc saturated a day that'll block estrogen conversion by a little bit. That'll raise your testosterone. A man's always going to feel a little better with testosterone, with a little more testosterone. So that would be a, that would be a place to start. If you couldn't Sign do any labs, if you couldn't do any labs, it's not going to drive you high, right? If 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 we did happen to do labs and you turned out you were like maxing out the testosterone level and you did all that other stuff, it wouldn't it wouldn't change your testosterone level because you maxed it out. Like it, it, it's a self regulating system. So that would
1: be worth trying. Let's let's get into a subject that I mean you've spoken a lot about it. ED, erectile yeah. uh, dysfunction. Yeah. And, and I'm just going to state, I, I don't have erectile dysfunction. My, my wife's in the yeah. audience. Yeah, uh, I want that to be understood. Um, no, no, no. But seriously, it, again, let's look at the SEAL community. A lot of brothers had this issue because of mm-hmm. the things that they, they, they faced and the physiology of the, the impacts they yeah. faced at war. Um, what's the biggest misconception about ED and, and, and who's most frequently affected by it? Well,
2: so I, I would say the biggest misconception about E D is that uh is is that once that happens you're you're doomed. Um because it can be an intermittent thing. It can be something that it can be caused by psychology, which is really common. Um uh you know, unfar- unfortunately in today's world, porn addiction is a big reason for it. Uh but your your psychology around performance if it doesn't quite work one night it's more likely to happen again so the, uh the the biggest misconception is like oh now i have ed that's me from now on right i'm going to be fighting this forever no like it's very possible it's just a short-term thing you need to massage a few things around and then everything's going to come back um and then the other misconception is that it's rare it's not rare like it it's, it's like 60, 70% of people probably, men probably by 40 have had it. And by 50, it's probably closer to 80%. No kidding. And then that doesn't mean it's every time, but it's like, you know, one out of every 10 times maybe you're like, yeah. hey, oh, this isn't working, right? Um, so it, it, it's something that's bound to happen, like gray hair. Like it's, uh, there, there's going to be some degree of that at some point in your life. And just roll with it, man. It's just like whatever. It's it's just something it's something to work on. And there's a ton of treatments. There's so many things you can do. For but that. bottom
1: line is go just go see your doctor. Go don't, see your Don't be embarrassed go, about go it. Go, go see your doctor, doctor. Don't be embarrassed.
2: And like talk to other people. Uh, like I um I'll I'll be I'll be vulnerable here. Like I had an issue with that after I had COVID. And I started talking to people and they said Every time I talked to a guy who had had COVID, he was like, you know what? I kind of had that, too. It wasn't a severe thing, but it was like, yeah, this is really different. Like, what's going on here?
1: Nobody wants to talk about do, it. Do you think that's what the Chinese were after? Was cause ED they were probably a, after the, the American male populace. Okay. They didn't
2: want me to procreate anymore. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Damn.
1: <laughs> Damn the uh, Chinese government. Um, yeah. let, let's talk a little about, and, and for the listeners, Kirk is not going anywhere. In fact, Kirk is part of this Men's Journal Everyday Warrior initiative. He's going to be a contributor. He's going to be helping men get back to that optimal health. And we're going to be diving in, in detail, to a lot of the things we've discussed on this podcast. But I want to talk about mental health really quickly. Again, uh, again, like ED, is not something to be embarrassed about. Right. I struggle with my mental health depending on, on environment, stressors. That that's just being human, but well, you and you, and you have a thousand head injuries. I've I've like got lesions every, on the brain. I've like, got multiple like lesions a, on like the
2: brain. every every special forces guy has had thousands of head injuries. Just the overpressurization, the blast, gun gunfire, Carl Gustav's like those are head injuries.
1: But but regardless, if you, if you served at war or not, I mean, there, there's trauma. I mean, there's, okay. there's mental health. I mean, the environment and society today. But let's talk about. Again, similar to your approach that pissed off traditional Navy medicine, right. you started referring a lot of these SEALs that were dealing with mental health issues. Yeah, if people want to say PTSD, that's fine. Uh, I call it survivor's guilt. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't think we need
2: a D. We don't need to call it's it- not a, a, It's not It's not a disorder. We don't need a disorder. No. And I don't think we need the post-trauma right? It's stress. and does it, does it really matter if the stress is because of your job? Does it really matter if the stress is physiologic because of injuries? Does it matter if it's because of an emotional event? Does it matter if it's because you're going through bankruptcy or because you're going through? It doesn't matter. It's stress. And that stress is catabolic. It's breaking you down. It's interfering with your sleep, which is breaking you down even further. And, it's, and almost every major psychiatric disease is preceded by a period of insomnia. When you can't sleep well, your brain doesn't work well, and anything you're susceptible to, your neurochemistry changes and you may get depressed, or you may be be a little bipolar, like you might have a touch of that, and you may go into a manic episode. You know, there's all sorts of things that can come out of that. Um, and, And things just as simple as your cognition, when you can't remember things and you can't focus well, you can't pay attention well, you start doubting yourself, and that doubt cycles into more stress, which makes it harder for the you to download stuff. And now you have anxiety because you can't trust yourself to perform and you don't know what the hell's wrong with you. What's going on with me? Right? Um, so we all have it and it all manifests itself as a disorder, right? Meaning that we're not performing the way we want to perform. And it can always be improved upon. No matter how how dialed in you are, we can do better. And so if your optimal is here You're living here and you get down here, you feel it. But getting back here might just be how you perform and we can still
1: go better. So we both come from the same community and the the, the SEAL community, the military at large always had a motto, suffer in silence. Oh, yeah. And I'm I'm glad to say that 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 has been broken. And the most masculine thing you can ever do, the biggest thing as a man, the the strongest thing is to say, hey, I'm having mental health issues. Yeah, and if you're around a good tribe, they'll wrap their arms around you and they'll say, "Hey, that's okay. Let's let's yeah. get somebody to to yeah. talk to." But let's so the VA, which yeah, I'm not going to sit here and bag on the Veteran Affairs. They, there's there's good people that work in the Veteran Affairs that care, but unfortunately, they work under regulations. They're overly I, regulated, underfunded, and much like I maybe mean, traditional yeah. medicine. I mean, it's just a yeah. So. Even within the civilian world, though, you know, mental health issues are usually dealt with with a pre- prescription pad. Right. And I, I had buddies that were on 17 different pills. Very common. You said this this, this doesn't make sense. No. And you said we need to open our aperture. And you started referring SEALs to a psychedelic therapy uh, retreat in Mexico. Well, I could only do it after. Yes. They had, after. To, they had
2: to be out of the teams. Uh, but... Uh, in the like active duty now can do things right now because because of maps people can do m d m a and people can do ketamine because they can go into a clinical setting and do it um, and those in those days you couldn 't do anything but uh yeah i I referred i mean I referred people who were you know writing their suicide letter about to suck start their pistol and i 'm like hey I, this, this treatment actually scares me. I'm nervous to recommend this to you, but I'm going to go down. What are the
1: recourses But happens. It's like, you're about to kill yourself.
2: Yeah. If this thing kills you, I'll feel guilty forever, but it could turn things around and it, and it turns things around and all it takes, you know, the first guy that I, that I had do that, had an amazing result. And then he told two of his buddies and you know how it goes from there. And now you have like 400 plus, of just of our special guys. operations guys. Yeah. 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 And, and, and way more than that, that have gotten amazing, amazing results.
1: Well, I, I went because of you yeah, and you told me, and I pushed that off for two years, but that was, I want to say that was the most interesting experience I've ever had. Yeah. And in particular, and we're going to sit down with Dr. Martine uh, and do an episode here shortly. And we're going to dive into the details, but the two forms of medicine, and in one, I got to say the setting that they, that they create, for that weekend could not be more professional with cardiologists with uh, you know uh, heart rate monitors, right? You go through a, a thorough medical screening, but first night was game, which I, right. I'll be honest was rough, right? Uh, I wanted to get off that ride real quick. Yep. Um, but that set the conditions for the next thing, which was five MEO DMT, which Mike Tyson on, on the Joe Rogan podcast has talked about the ego killer, which was the most spiritual thing I've ever experienced, and yeah. that was life-changing. I've done that one myself, and I had the same experience. Yeah. And in, in the amount of, again, it goes back to the, the stigma of, I was even afraid to tell my dad, I'm 44. Right. I was afraid to tell my old man, who's a, who's a devout Roman Catholic, that I was going on a psychedelic uh, therapy.
2: And, and again, that's all politics. It's just like the hormones, just like testosterone. Like, testosterone exists in your body. It exists in men and women. It's a natural hormone when it's dysregulated, why don't we re-regulate it? Political reasons. Well, psychedelics have been known about for a long time, and in the 60s, they started studying them, and some congressman's son like overdosed on some kind of psychedelic, and all the psychedelic research went away until like 10 years ago. And now they're going, oh my gosh, it does all this amazing thing. Who would have ever figured that a plant that evolved to be on the planet at the same time of us, that we could ingest and has some, a benefit to us well we eat plants and that benefits us so why would we think that eating some other plant that causes some other kind of reaction that is beneficial why is that bad again it's all political um it doesn't make any sense from a healthcare practitioner if i look at if i'm if i'm looking at a seal who's suffering i don't anyone who's suffering I, yeah i don't care what we have to do to get rid of the suffering right like let's let's do that if this works let's do that why would i say oh no 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 not that you can take these 17 pills, but don't go drink that plant or don't go take that pill of, the, of that psychedelic medication. It makes no sense. And our community specifically, it's hard, hard, hard to be vulnerable. It's hard for people to open up. Um, it's hard for people to admit that they can't fix everything. And so, as you know, those drugs show you you're not anything,
1: buddy. You can't yeah. fix
2: anything. And you're not you're not all that
1: <laughs> well you know, one of the key supplements that came from that trip that is a part of my daily regimen is microdosing. Right. Microdosing of uh, psilocybin. Right. Which is probably one of the greatest mood enhancers and even focus yep. uh, supplements that I've ever taken. And, and no, at no point am I ever, uh, I'll say tripping or going into a psychedelic journey right. with microdosing. Right. right. And I know for some people's uh, psilocybin wasn't uh wasn't working, so they're microdosing LSD again. Same effect, they're not tripping. Uh, well, people even focus. microdose Ibogaine. Ibogaine. No kidding, Yeah.
2: Yep. I, I would yep. not try you, that. You can microdose anything, okay? I mean, microdose anything.
1: Well, guys, uh, Kirk, at this point of the show, we want to turn it over to the audience. If there's any questions for Kirk and the wealth of knowledge that he has, we've got a microphone in the back. Please feel free to ask any questions.
3: Hey, Doctor Kirk. Uh, it's Austin Talley. I definitely, uh, I'm going to be reaching out. One of my best friends and I both have a problem where we just can't turn our brain off. It seems like yeah, um, we have two different life experiences. Uh, mine is is ten years of combat, and and him is the stresses of entrepreneurship without a doubt because every day you think you're going to go. Y'all are of my business. two clients.
2: That's who I work with. Ninety nine percent of who I work with, right there. Those so,
3: um, I, I guess if you could sum up any assistance, how to turn our brain off a little bit. Cause I've done the blue light glasses to, I, I even use them to watch TV now. I don't pick up any electronics without them. Right. Um, it, but I, I obviously, um, I'm going to be hitting you up for more of a uh, personal one on one. But uh, uh, any guidance on that? So
1: you, basically, you're jacked up at night.
3: You, yeah, you can't I, sleep because you, you're just your mind. Some is days I can go to sleep at nine o'clock at night, and some days it's not till three thirty in the morning. and I'm still waking yeah. up at six fifty every day without that alarm clock.
2: Yeah, well, what what I can say is, uh, you know, there there is there is a medical board specialty for doctors that uh, work with people who have sleep diseases. I'm not that guy, like right. So I'm I'm a I'm a physician that values sleep and and teaches a lot about it. Um, so I don't work with sleep diseased people. If they have a disease, I send them to a sleep specialist. Um, but I can tell you almost every single client that I've ever had, whether it's a SEAL, uh, who just, I'm just consulting as a friend or a client who's paying me, um, almost every almost every one of them, and I can't think of any exceptions, but I'll still say almost, um, stress is the reason they can't sleep and i've developed over the years this seemingly ridiculous ridiculously simple protocol to get rid of stress around sleep and it's the most it's the most powerful thing i do it's more powerful than any hormone or pharmaceutical i do um and it's just it's just a process to remove stress from the sleep environment from both getting ready for sleep and while you're asleep
1: you had a perfect opportunity right there to be like, just go to docparselysleepaids.com and, uh, um, and, and buy, buy my supplements.
2: Uh, my, my, my supplement might help a little bit, but if you're really stressed, uh, it, there's nothing in there that's going to knock you out. But, I, but that sleep journal I was talking about that has here, here's, how, here's how you categorize all your stresses and here's how you get rid of those around bedtime. Here's how you get rid of those if you wake up in the middle of the night, um, and so it, it, it's a process. It would take it take a while to explain, but it's it's in that sleep journal.
3: Well, thank you, doctor. I'll be uh, quitting my entrepreneurship partnership then and uh, hitting you up for uh, better sleep ideas. Right. Right. All right.
1: All right. We got time for one more question, maybe. Okay. So, what if you get enough sleep, but you're still tired all the time? But I mean, like, you get enough sleep, but you're still just always exhausted just how do you know
2: you're how do you know you're getting enough sleep
1: feel like uh, whenever i even when i get like eight nine hours of sleep a night consecutively it's still just still tired do you
2: do you you wake up tired yeah then you're not getting enough sleep it might is it it, enough sleep or good sleep and that's what i was gonna say you might be sleeping for eight hours but the sleep quality might be worth four hours
1: so it's just lack of quality sleep which is if you're waking
2: if you're waking up tired then there's something wrong with the sleep either. It's either the duration of sleep or it's the quality of sleep or both. Um, So again, that would be kind of the sleep hygiene thing. We need to make sure that caffeine's not getting involved. We need to make sure stress not getting involved. We need to make sure there's no medications getting involved. There's no metabolic thing. Like if you have like, if you were, say, pre-diabetic and you have poor insulin control and poor blood glucose control, that can interfere with sleep. Um, there's lots of things. You could be a really bad snore. You could have sleep apnea uh, where you're actually stopping breathing and becoming acidic. There's a lot of things that could be happening uh, in there. But it, it's, if, you, if you're waking up tired, it's not enough sleep, either because you're not sleeping enough hours or there's not enough quality in the hours that you are sleeping.
1: And also, uh, do you have a practice somewhere, or I'm uh, miss I miss
2: that? I I practice virtually, right? So I, I do online online consulting. I'll I'll meet with you once and do labs and so forth, and then everything else will be online from there. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. And, and where can they find you? So D O C, short for doctor, and then my last name is Parsley, like the herb. So Docparsley dot com.
1: And we'll make sure when we release the, uh, the podcast that everyone has those, uh, URLs, those links. Well, thank you. Uh, before we say goodbye, we like to end this podcast with two of our own questions. And again, right. much like the hard questions, these are deep. How will you measure your life and whether you've lived well? I love,
2: I measure my life through courage. Um, and courage to me just means doing what I know I need to do. Um, and at this state in different stages of my life, that meant different things. But at this stage of my life, uh, what I care the most about is relationships. And okay. so having the courage, right. having the courage to always say what needs to be said, not leave anything unsaid in case tonight's my last night. Um, and, and that's. Uh, I, and I, I keep, I keep the record in my head. I know, I know when I don't have the courage and I know what I'm, when I, I know when I'm petering out, and not doing what I should do. Um, but as, as long as I'm doing, we all know what we should be doing.
1: As long as I'm doing what I know what I should be doing, having the courage to do it. Now for all of us, are there any specific rules or codes? What, what I could also call your keys to success by which you live your life? I would go back to that one. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, I, I, I would, I would still, I would still say doing what you, you know, having the courage to do what you know you need to do, and if you don't have uh, the education to do it, having the courage to say you don't know, and learning how to do it. Um, I, I, I think it all comes down, and that's sort of a personal integrity. If I visualize a future I want, and I come up with a plan for moving towards it, I have to have the courage to do all of those things along the way, even when I don't wanna do them. And and I, I consider like being tired and not feeling like doing it and still doing it, that's still courage, right? You're still you're still doing what you know you wanna do, even though you don't feel like doing it. Um, and so, like, I, I think that's the most important thing because everything else is nuanced and individual, but.
1: Well, it sounds like you're describing more so than physical courage, moral courage. Which is a rare trait. More the rarest of traits. For sure. Rarest of traits amongst men, especially uh even yeah. even in the SEAL teams, we saw a lack of moral courage sometimes. Absolutely. To stand up for what's right, regardless mm-hmm. of the uh the outcomes. Well, Kirk, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I mean, there's 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 so many subjects here that we need to deep like do a deep dive on, but we have much more time. We have the articles that will be issued under men's journal, the everyday warrior. Uh I know men are interested in these subjects how they can get back to optimal health for sustained periods, if not the, the, the rest of their life. So yeah, we'll get there, man. We'll get there. And thanks for listening. And now, don't forget, visit mensjournal.com to sign up for the newsletter and get the latest everyday warrior strategies and tactics to living a purpose-driven, fulfilling life, which all of you so rightly deserve. And again, under that everyday warrior concept, the three pillars – our mental health, physical health, and spiritual health. Maybe with a little adventure mixed in there. Whether you're a man or woman, make sure to pick up the new uh, issue of Men's Journal Magazine. It's packed with amazing features on, just as we discussed, health and fitness, adventure and travel, style, and the coolest gear hitting the market today. Thank you. And until next time, this is Mike Sorelli with the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast out here. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and pick up a new issue of Men's Journal Magazine. Men's Journal Magazine has features on health and fitness, adventure and travel, style, and my favorite, the coolest gear hitting the market today. Until next time, I'm Mike Sorelli, and thanks for listening.
0: If you are leading change, building a team, or implementing new procedures, Gonzaga University's Online Master's in Organizational Leadership gives you the tools for success. With concentrations in change, global, and servant leadership, you'll get the most relevant training and education to help you tackle any challenge. Visit gonzaga.edu slash leader and find out how Gonzaga's Organizational Leadership degree can affect positive change in your life and career. That's gonzaga.edu slash leader.